This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. It's now 7.49 a.m. It's a Friday, November 30th, and you are tuned in to The Morning Run. Thank you so much. I am Tan Chung Han. With me, Melissa Idris. Now, if you just missed our chat with Tim Mahalan, president of TGM Limited in Chicago, uh, taking a look at global markets, you can always download that podcast on the BFM app, available on the Apple App Store and Google Play, or you can also check it out on Spotify. Yes, BFM <laughs> is now on Spotify. The reason I ask you to refer to that uh, is because... Because, you know, he talked about the skepticism about how some people are talking about this uh, perhaps global financial crisis coming up soon. He He doesn't believe it. Yeah, he doesn't believe it. And he also talked about the resilience of the tech sector. Well, guess what? Our guest on the Breakfast Grill this morning Mm -hmm. makes those two exact points. So if you want to have an idea about when the next global financial crisis may happen, you are going to want to stay tuned to the Breakfast Grill. Again, after the 8 a.m. news bulletin, we're going to have... Dr. Andy Shi. He is an independent economist. He is the director of Rosetta Stone Advisors and he was named among the 50 most influential persons in finance by Bloomberg. Right. So Mel, when do you think the next global financial crisis will happen? Oh, shoot. I left my crystal ball, my other handbag. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I'll get back to you on that. Well, make sure you get it in before the breakfast grill happens. Again, with uh, Dr. Andy Shi, Independent Economist. That's coming up after the 8 a.m. News Bulletin. Okay. Time now to look at the top local business stories. Let's start with uh, some early Christmas cheer, perhaps, for AirAsia shareholders because they have just announced a bumper dividend, a special dividend of 40 cent per share. Now, why is that? Right. Okay. So yesterday, Air Asia reported that its net profit increased 81% on year to 916 million ringgit. And they say that uh, this, uh, I guess, um, performance came from a one-off gain Mm. from the sale of Expedia. So they got uh, 171 million ringgit for that. There was also a recognition of deferred tax assets of 515 million ringgit from some aircraft disposals. But okay, so... Great that the net profit had increased 81%, but if you took a look at their um, operating profit, Han, it looks like the uh, operating profit for AirAsia had halved on year to to 253 million ringgit. And this is because they spent more money for fuel uh, for AirAsia. Yeah, well, recall that in the third quarter, while well, going into the early part, the early days of the fourth quarter, brand futures were at like 80 bucks mm-hmm, a barrel. Mm-hmm. And looking at brand futures now, it's down to less than 60 US dollars per barrel. So again, on that front, when it comes to fuel costs, hopefully AirAsia can get some year-end share on that front as well. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, that special dividend will be paid out on December 28th, so just a few days after Christmas. Yeah, so uh, maybe a a belated Christmas Mm. present for AirAsia shareholders. But, you know, this is quite interesting because uh, back in March, we already had analysts um, speculating wildly whether or not there would be a windfall for shareholders because AirAsia was going to dispose of that leasing unit, right? right. The um, uh, Asia Aviation Capital, and they were going to sell that for 4.6 billion ringgit. So the, the and 
uh, analyst community were saying, well, you know, there could be a windfall, anything from 60 to 70 ringgit, uh, 70, 70 to 60, 60 to 70 cents per share, not ringgit, cents per share. Say that share. fast uh, three times. Let's go. Play the home game here. 60 to 70 cents per share. Per share. Huh? That's right. So uh, that was the speculation. But now uh, AirAsia has um, declared it's going to be 40 cents per share. And this is very much uh, reinforced by comments made by Tony Fernandez saying that, you know, this was something to, I guess, pay attention to. He's making good on his promise. Yeah, well, but beyond the um, uh, AirAsia's traditional or core business model, right? He's already telegraphing to the markets like, you know, you guys got to look bigger beyond this. You know, AirAsia eventually is one, uh, wanting to be seen as a digital company. Uh, so it's not just getting you from point A to point B, but it's also making sure that you can make those mobile payments uh, anywhere you go across ASEAN, right? Mm. Now, you have even uh, Tony Fernandez talking about how uh, eventually, you know, Big Pay, which is uh, AirAsia's uh, mobile payment arm, they are going to try and give Alipay and GrabPay a run for their money. Yeah, so I mean, this is quite interesting. When we had Christopher Davidson on the Breakfast Grill, that was, I think, uh, an int- for me, one of the takeaways that perhaps they think that uh, it could even be bigger than the budget uh, platform. In fact, when Christopher was on the Breakfast Grill, he spoke to Kusu Chuang and uh, Chuang asked him, what could differentiate Big Pay from the other players in the industry? Business and app is fundamentally different. We are not going around offering merchant discounts to essentially use it and acquire merchants one by one, which is the model which almost everyone else is doing, which is QR payments. We are looking at more holistic financial services and where you can use and spend your money anywhere in the world. And we also asked Christopher about Big Pay's growth potential. Peers in Europe in three years have been worth somewhere between one and two billion dollars in three years and we are growing faster than they all of those three in a comparable stage so if we carry on with our growth i think you could benchmark against that within three years and again, that was Christopher Davidson, Group CEO and co-founder of Big Pay on the Breakfast Grill. You can find that podcast via the BFM app, also via BFM on Spotify. Yeah, so for me, I'm wondering whether this is, you know, really a move away because they want to get into this. This is the future, right? The, the digital side of the business will be the future. But whether it's because they want to, I guess, um, uh, relieve some of the pressure from the fuel prices that we saw, which, you know, as, as we mentioned a bit earlier, took a hit on the um, net operating profit. Um, but whether that would also, I guess, leave them open to any kind of volatility within the forex market. No, sure. But when it comes to, say, you know, their dominant market position, uh, when it comes to the budget space in the region, their market share in Malaysia is, you know, close to 60% already, definitely well over half. Uh, when you look at this the... This is AirAsia? Yeah, this is AirAsia, mm-hmm. their core business. You know, And then you look at the kind of growth that they're seeing across the region, you know, 2% uh, on year there. Right, so they're trying to find new avenues for growth there, and obviously the digital space, uh, especially uh, payments, and of course logistics and all these other verticals as well. That's going to, uh, well, hopefully, right, uh, lend them more growth moving forward. So I mean, they have that cop- captive audience literally trapped in their plane. So you know, <laughs> might as well make you know, make Don't them trapped. <laughs> yeah, make them uh, separate with more of their money, so to speak. All right, so that's Air Asia. Now we got to look at the uh, local. Ba- 
banking sector as well. Uh, so the CIMB has just reported their earnings, third quarter earnings. Net profit um, rose some 4% to just about 1.2 billion ringgit. And this is due to improved contributions across all segments except wholesale banking. Top line revenue slipped by 6.4%, dipping to 4.14 billion ringgit. Again, this is for the third quarter of this year. Right, so that was uh, CIMB. I think what's quite interesting, Han, if we take a look at some of the analyst comments coming out uh, of the analysis from the financial sector earnings, uh, they're saying, well, no negative surprises there for the last quarterly results. Uh, But if we were to take a a kind of a deep dive, a closer look um, at some of the earnings. So there are banks that have done okay. CIMB, uh, as you mentioned, 4% growth. But taking a look at uh, Maybank and Public Bank, they registered a decline in growth. Whereas some of the... In, not, in net profit, in net, Sorry, yes, yeah. that's right. Um, in net profit. So, but then the other banks, the smaller banks like Afin, for instance, Hong Leong, for instance, uh, RHB, all registering double-digit growth. Mm. Yeah, so in this story in the Edge Financial Daily, so they carry some comments from uh, analysts. So, for example, the analyst from Kananga Investment Bank says that overall, banks' earnings have been supported by lower on-year impairments. Loan growth, uh, loans growth largely came in within expectations. Right. Mm. And then also they got comments from MIDF Research Senior Analyst Imran Yassin. Yeah, so the, the question is whether this can be sustained, right, going mm. forward. Um, uh, Imran from MIDF reckons, yes, the earnings growth momentum can be sustained, but it's uh, on the premise that loans growth will likely be uh, robust, a bit to slightly moderate pace. So we might see that there could be a continuation, but slightly slower. Um, he's also noted some, that net interest margin compression, um, that although there could be some net interest net interest margin compression, that he thinks that this could moderate because of Bank Nagara's extension of the obser- uh, observation period for net stable funding ratio uh, by 2020. Ah, that good old name compression, you know, always That's uh, right. over there. So uh, now we here on the morning round, we also spoke to um, uh, Imran Yassin. Again, he's the senior analyst at MIDF Research. So we wanted him to kind of sum up, you know, why this contrast in fortunes uh, in the third quarter when it comes to net profit between the big boys, mm. the May banks, the public banks, you know, versus the, the smaller guys. Because some of the smaller guys here in Malaysia actually posted double-digit on-year growth in net profit. Yeah, could I, if I could just give you some numbers. Yeah. So as we mentioned, you know, um, Maybank registered a uh, 3.5% on-year drop in net profit for the uh, third quarter. But taking a look at, say, Hong Leong, 10.6% uh, I guess, uh, I guess, increase in net profit for the third quarter. And... Um, Alliance as well, fourteen point four percent. So they've really outdone RHB eighteen percent, mm. Han. So they've they've uh, outdone themselves. Yeah. In this so respect. so we, yeah. So we asked Imran Yasin right this morning. We spoke to him and we asked why this. Uh, I mean, perceived disparity, right? Uh, essentially, just to sum it up, he's saying that you got the big boys who've got a greater exposure to the region, yeah. and that is uh, uh, causing this downward pressure here. Well, the smaller boys who are less exposed to the region, they're more insulated, so you know, it's primarily a domestic picture. Uh, because if you see what's happening across emerging markets, there's been currency weakness, uh, there's also been central bank action as well in tightening their interest rates 
rates. So that might have an impact on the overseas operations of Malaysian banks. Sure. So it, it really is whether you are exposed to some of these external mm. factors, right? And we will be seeing, I guess, you know, you, your breakfast grill a little bit earlier with uh, the independent economist Andy Xi was quite interesting because, you know, we could be expecting more of um, the, these fact, uh, external factors uh, influencing domestic economy. Yeah, you know, and he's saying that, look, you've got to watch the debt risk here. You know, since the last global financial crisis, uh, there's been plenty of debt fueled activity, you know, in the market, all fueled by easing policies by central banks since 2008-2009. It's gotten to unsustainable levels. Something's got to give, and when it gives, it could lead to a long, drawn-out bear market. Okay, so I have to ask you, after your chat with Andy, um, Andy C, Dr. C, that yeah. is you and me, oh, are you worried? Oh, yeah. Not, well, to, not to be, you know, I think it'd be the prudent investor out there has to watch the markets closely and also watch their portfolios closely. Now, Dr. Andy Shi says that, you know, don't buy into this whole portfolio diversification thing. You got to make sure you look for those companies that offer true value. <laughs> he is still a proponent of the energy sector. You know? So he still has what I call that, that traditional mindset. He's skeptical about the potential and the true economic value of some of these tech guys. Mm-hmm. I think it was, what's fascinating, he spoke about Facebook model, right? And it says, you know, what's the point? You get two people to entertain each other on Facebook and that's their low-cost business model. <laughs> uh, so he was somewhat disparaging of the likes of uh, Facebook and even smartphone makers. You know, he's saying that, you know, p- perhaps people spend too much time on their phones and that could be a dampener on economic activity. So uh, again, you can check out that replay at 1pm today. That podcast will be uploaded later as well. Uh, yeah, you know, but that's his outlook for 2019, saying that we are closer to that uh, next global financial crisis. Now, coming back to this bank story though what does this mean because if you look at banks as a proxy to the uh, economic growth and Mm -hmm. the health of the economy here in Malaysia then you really got to look at the numbers closely and see whether loans growth could be uh, affected or also deposits growth etc given that it's already so competitive here in Malaysia definitely as a proxy and we've got Keith Kam standing by on the mic so stay tuned right here to BFM 89.9 Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.